0: (laughs) Kia ora and welcome to the Kiwi Birth Tales podcast. I am your host, Jordan. I am mum to two beautiful little boys, Jai and Ali. I also host the Your Birth Project online hypnobirthing course and the Mini Kiwi's First Aid course for parents of under five-year-olds. And I have an online store attached to Your Birth Project, which encompasses everything pregnancy, birth and postpartum related, so just absolutely love that side of the business. I'm also a very, very passionate storyteller and a lover of all things birth, so hence why I am leading you on this podcast. I'm not an advocate for any particular type of birth or model of birth care, I am simply here to hold space for this platform for you to share your beautiful stories with us all. You'll hear stories of joy, of heartbreak, of love, of loss and each family has a different experience to share. I'm trying to bring to light stories that we often only tell in the darkest of places or to our closest of friends but really are so important for everybody to hear. So I hope that you love the podcast of these beautiful families all over Aotearoa and I will let you jump into the podcast now. Enjoy. Today's episode of Kiwi Birth Tales is sponsored by Your Birth Project and if you listen to the podcast or follow me on Instagram you'll know that your birth project is my online hypnobirthing course and also my online store. The online course was created to help you create your best birth, whatever that means to you. So it's not up to me to decide or anybody else to decide apart from you, what does your best birth look like? And the course will help you create that. It will help you to understand the different stages of labor, comfort methods, mindset. There's a heap of information in there for birth partners. And there's also information around different methods of births and different types of pain relief and uh, inductions, So it's a comprehensive course that covers all different types of birth and will support you through making decisions for your labor and birth. And the online store is designed to support you through pregnancy, birth and postpartum. So anything that you might need during those periods, you'll be able to find. Filling your birth bag, every sort of item that you can think of is in the store. So if you want to go and check it out, you can head to at your birth project on Instagram or www.yourbirthproject.com, and if you've made it this far through the sponsorship note, there is a discount code, so if you want to get 10% off the online course, or 10% off anything in the store, use the code LPOD pod E-L-L-E-P-O-D, and you'll get 10% off, Your Birth Project being the sponsor is very relevant this week because I am speaking with Elle and she is a Your Birth Project mama. So she did the Your Birth Project course in her pregnancy and she does actually share how the course helped her and how it was a useful uh, resource for her as well as a little bit of info about the store in her episode. But I just know you're going to love this episode. I've had so many different requests for it. Elle is just, she articulates her story really well. Um, I loved recording it so I know that you're going to enjoy it. Uh, Al takes us through her two pregnancy losses before falling pregnant with twins Um, so quite a journey for them and obviously uh, very devastating to lose two pregnancies before falling pregnant with the twins so she talks us through that sort of period of grief and how she was supported through that uh, other mental health like anxiety and how she felt during her pregnancy with the twins, and all the way through her 38-week full-term twin pregnancy, where she was induced and ended up having a cesarean section. So she talks us through that decision, what the afterbirth was like, and then into the postpartum period. The twins are four months old now, so we talk about what it's been like with life for two newborn babies, and yeah, how they're going now. So I know you're going to love this episode. I'll let you jump into it now. Enjoy. Hi, Al. Thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. Oh, I'm so excited to be here, Jordan. Thanks for having me on. No worries. Would you like to tell our listeners a little bit about you and who is in your family? Sure. So, my name's
1: Al, and in our family, I've got my husband, Dave. We have four month old twins. They're uh, boy-girl twins, and mm-hmm. we have nicknamed them Revy and Rue. Revy's our girl. Her full name is Reverie, and Rue is our little boy, and we his full name is Roo. Awesome. And we also have a dog, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Amazing. And whereabouts in New Zealand are you guys? We're based in Christchurch in the oh. chilly South Island. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> I can't wait to hear all about um, twin life because I just cannot even imagine, <laughs> imagine having uh, <laughs> So I'm looking forward to that, but we will start with um, start with your sort of journey to pregnancy. So do you want to talk us through, yeah, what the journey to pregnancy was like for you and Dave?
1: Sure. So my husband Dave and I very naively, probably like a lot of people, thought that we could kind of pick when we wanted to start our family mm-hmm. and that would all just turn out perfectly. Yeah. So we would chat about when it would make sense for us to possibly start our family and that's kind of what we planned around. But actually... Our story didn't work out quite like that. Um, We ended up, well, to start off with, I decided that I wanted to get my boobs done and have a boob job because I had just lost quite a bit of weight, about 20 kilos, and I had booked in the surgery with the surgeon. Um, Before that, I had come off of the pill because I figured that I would need. A little bit of time to kind of, you know, get yeah. my hormones back in check, all that stuff that you hear about. But I actually got my period back so fast. It took me about Five weeks after being on the pill since I was 15, and I was probably 30 at the time or just older. So I was really surprised, which meant my husband and I had to be super careful leading up to the surgery not Mm -hmm. to get pregnant. So I was tracking everything on Flow app, making sure I was, you know, on top of that. And I made it to my surgery date without getting pregnant. So my surgery went ahead, and my surgeon, I remember him saying to me. Be really careful once you've had the surgery, because after you've had the anesthesia, it can mess with your cycle. So your ovulation can be out of whack, even if you're tracking. I didn't really pay much attention to that, but he was right. We ended up getting pregnant pretty much straight after my surgery or really close to. And that took me totally by surprise because it wasn't our plan to get pregnant then, But it was exciting nonetheless. I was freaking out a little bit in the first pregnancy because I had just recently quit my full-time job. I was a lawyer and I left my law job to pursue um, my app Well Club, which now exists, a healthy lifestyle and recipe app. But I had so much work to do behind the scenes Mm. in creating it. And I was freaking out, like, how am I going to do this while being pregnant? you know, all that stuff. So anyway, I put that on the back burner and the first call after my freakout was to my best friend. I'm like, what do you do when you find out that you're pregnant Mm. and there's two lines? And she said, you need to get a midwife and also maybe decide if you'd like to have an obstetrician. That's an option. I talked it through with her. She'd just recently had a pregnancy, had a baby, and she had an OB and had a really positive experience. So I decided that I would follow suit, call the obstetrician. So my husband and I went in for that appointment and all excited. I thought based off of my flow calculations on the flow app, um, I was probably about eight weeks pregnant and I was pretty confident that I was right. (laughs) Um, The obstetrician scanned me. He saw the sack there but he said that it looked a bit smaller than what he would expect for an eight weeks. But mm-hmm. I wasn't phased because I was pretty sure it was eight weeks, but he sent us off for a dating scam and they confirmed the same thing that my OB thought to look small, but could have my dates wrong. So to come back in two weeks time, those two weeks were actual torture, mm-hmm. <laughs> such a torturous weight. Yeah. Um, and during that two week time, I noticed some Brown discharge mm-hmm. But, you know, thought, like, stay positive, could be implantation bleeding, you know, all that yep. stuff. When we went back for that second scan, it had shrunk. So it, the pregnancy hadn't progressed and we had lost it. And mm. it was thought that we had lost the pregnancy at about eight weeks, um, but things had shrunk down. Yeah. Which was, yeah, at that moment when we found out that the pregnancy hadn't progressed, all of those fears that I had about how am I going to do this and juggle my app and all this stuff mm. totally went away. And I realized in that moment just how badly I did want to have start a family with my husband, yeah. even though it wasn't, you know, the right timing. It was something we really wanted. Mm. The journey after that was quite difficult because – you know, you've got to make decisions then about what you do moving forward. Do you mm. let that pregnancy pass on its own or do you get assistance? And I decided personally for me that I wanted a procedure to remove it. It was my first miscarriage and I was really anxious about what that would entail and how I would feel going through that, not only you know, emotionally but also physically because pain had started the cramping had started mm. and it kind of sucks not only are you dealing with it emotionally but physically you're yeah. reminded that the pregnancy is not going forward so I got an appointment at the hospital and that's a whole other story about how difficult it was and how strongly I actually had to advocate for myself in the hospital mm. to have the procedure they wanted me just to have take the pill and go home and for me to deal with it myself but thankfully um I was able to speak to a nurse who agreed that I should have the procedure done. And once that procedure was done and everything was removed, I actually felt like a lot lighter and also a lot more encouraged about the future. I was Mm. like, okay, we can, you know, this chapter sucked, but it's part of our story. We can close the door and we can move forward and just, you know, continue our journey to starting our family. Mm. Um, My husband and I continued to try from that miscarriage. That miscarriage happened in... I think August. I think it was August. Yeah. Um and then yeah, I got back on Flow app, started tracking. And every month we were just getting negative tests, negative tests, negative test. I started doing, you know, the ovulation sticks mm. and, you know, I really like going into the whole thing and looking at it. I considered buying like a temperature thing to mon- like monitor my temperature um, because it just started to become really frustrating when you want to actually get pregnant. Like you can't get pregnant. Um, and then, Finally, my husband and I, well, it felt like forever, but I should acknowledge that our journey in that time frame. I know a lot of people spend a lot longer trying to get pregnant. So mm. it definitely varies from person to person. But we found out that we were pregnant again in April the following year. And that was super exciting this time because, you know, I had processed all of that kind of fear around, ah, I'm pregnant, like mm. freaking out. Um, called my OB, went straight back in again, had a blood test to start monitoring my HCG levels, and I ended up losing that pregnancy exactly at five weeks. So like literally like was like just days later after yes. I found out I was pregnant to then losing that pregnancy. I left I was at the hairdressers, left the hairdressers, got in my car to drive to my parents' house, and this intense pain started that I had never experienced pain to that point um in my life that strongly Mm. um I thought that maybe like I had trapped gas or something so I ended up stopping at a McDonald's along the way (laughs) to see if that was gonna help but oh my goodness no it was it was not that I got to my parents house and my mum was like we need to call you an ambulance or get you into the hospital immediately like this is not good. And I thought that it was maybe an ectopic pregnancy because of the Mm. level of pain I was under. I called my husband. He was like, I'm going to meet you there. We drove into the hospital, get into the emergency room, get blood tests taken. And because I'd already had a baseline of my HCG levels, they were able to see that they had dropped, they were dropping. Mm. And you know, they tried to reassure me like, you know, like they're dropping, but well, we'll have to just say, you know, but I knew I was like, I'm miscarrying a second time. Like, how am I miscarrying a second time? Mm. And the second miscarriage, oh yeah, it just hurt mm. so bad. My, Dave and I drove home and went through the McDonald's drive through Probably actually it was, it was the same McDonald's I had been at earlier that day. <laughs> I think that, um, And I was like, I just need to eat my feelings. And, like, I thought as I was driving through that drive-through with him, I'm like, I don't think I can tell anybody. Like, I can't share this that I've had Mm. miscarriage because the shame felt so – I just felt just clothed in shame that I – the first miscarriage, sure, like, bad luck, but the second miscarriage, I was just like, what have I done Mm. to cause this? Anyway, I decided to share – the news on my Instagram because um, I'm really open there and I figured that if I allowed it to kind of like eat away at me Mm. in silence then I was allowing those feelings of shame to actually have control over me and really I shouldn't feel ashamed and I'm so glad that I did share what we were going through because oh my goodness the messages I received like makes me feel emotional thinking Mm. about it just so much encouragement and support and also just knowing that I wasn't the only person to have current pregnancy loss. And people were giving me such good suggestions about things we could try. So I felt encouraged that, you know, we're not at the end of the road. You know, there's still things that we can pursue. That second miscarriage was um, a lot longer to actually recover from, even though I wasn't as far along because, I was so early into the pregnancy that I had—I was told I didn't have any choice but to let it pass naturally. Right. And it took weeks and it was painful and I had really bad bloating. So, yeah, just not a fun experience. But once that did settle, I decided to follow the advice of um, people who had sent in messages to me on Instagram. And the overwhelming suggestions were to look at maybe working with a naturopath to explore that and also yeah. acupuncture. So, I Googled and found a naturopath who specialized in women's health and fertility. Managed to make an appointment with her, and my husband and I went along. And that was the most incredible experience for us mm. because, up until that point, with the two miscarriages, we had been told by all of the traditional health professionals that we saw, our OB, our GPs, as lovely and as supportive as they were, they were like, our hands are tied. You need to go away, get pregnant a third time, hope for the best that you don't miscarry. But if you do, then we can help and we can look at what might be causing this.
0: Yeah. God, I just hate that. I hate, I hate the three miscarriage thing. It's just, that is such a, Oh, I just feels so outdated and I know I'm not I'm not a medical professional or anything but from hearing you know your experience and other experiences of people on the podcast like recurrent pregnancy loss is just horrible right nobody wants to go through that why do you have to do it three times before you get any other support
1: exactly it's so archaic and it doesn't make sense and the fact that it invokes an emotional response in you you know should tell us something like we feel strongly about this why is this the rule
0: yeah
1: but it's the rule so but our naturopath was like no we can we can take action now we can start tests we can do things so one thing that my gp did do which i'm very grateful for was she um referred us to fertility associates because after the second miscarriage my husband he went and saw his GP as well and he asked what could be done and he Mm -hmm. got that response you know the three miscarriage rule Mm -hmm. but his GP did say I can test your sperm if you'd like we can get that tested and we can just check and see you know if there's anything Mm -hmm. there so my husband did do a sperm test and it showed that he had low sperm morphology, which meant that he had the volume of sperm that would be expected in somebody his age. Um, but the quality of the sperm was Mm -hmm. all over the show. Some had two heads, some had two tails, (laughs) some had none of any of thing. And so the the sperm that could really get the job done was smaller than what it should be. He had Mm -hmm. sperm morphology of two percent. And what you're looking for is like healthy sperm morphology is four or 5%. Mm -hmm. So because his was so low, we were eligible to be referred to fertility associates to start that process. So my GP made that referral based on my husband's results. And also she also referred me for grief counseling, which I was so happy to accept Mm. and start that. So with our naturopath. She knew about my husband's low sperm morphology. We did a bunch of blood tests and things. She put us on various pills and potions. She made lifestyle suggestions that we try out, some of which had also been um, mentioned by my OB as well. So cutting out coffee, which devastated me because I love (laughs) coffee, including decaf. For me personally, she wanted me to cut just everything out, alcohol for both of us, um, for me to em- embrace kind of more natural health products, to stop using plastic, to also stop doing high intensity interval training, which I had been doing. And my OB had suggested some of those things um, as well. I mean, again, we're really shooting in the dark because there's not a lot of studies around this. And what works for one person doesn't always work for another person. But they were like, you know, if you're open to just trying like a blanket approach, let's just just do it. And the emotional pain of those miscarriages motivated me just to give anything a go. As Mm. upset as I felt about having to do that, I actually felt really – I felt a lot of grief for me personally. This is so selfish. But I was grieving the fact that my whole life, you grow up, you think – I can just get pregnant, I'm going to have a baby, it's like this. But the fact that my friends could just have sex with their partner, get pregnant, Mm. not have to make any lifestyle changes, um, and I was like, I have to do this. So I I had to work through that selfishness Mm. and kind of grief, I think, of what I held true of getting pregnant. Um, But my husband and I did all of the things. I had my miscarriage bleed and then I had another um period and then we found out we were pregnant for mm-hmm. a third time it happened really really fast mm-hmm. um, it takes about three months we were told and um, if you like really commit you can improve the quality of your egg and your sperm in as short as three months time so my husband had had his test done found out about that we'd actually gone on google so he'd already started the process and he had increased his sperm morphology from two percent to nine percent wow yeah crazy yeah just by those lifestyle changes also taking supplements from our naturopath and yeah it was incredible so when we found out we were pregnant the third time (laughs) we of course were happy but the excitement you know it was more like oh my gosh like it really felt like do or die. Like this is the third, either, either this is the third and it goes smoothly, or this is the third, and we have tests and all that kind of stuff. I found that I was pregnant, and then like two days later, I got a call from fertility associates saying that my referral had been accepted and they wanted to make an appointment with me. And I was like, We found out we're pregnant. Um, and they said, Okay, we'll we'll bump you for like a month and we'll call you back in a month to make an appointment. So if things don't go as you'd like we were still here and waiting in the wings which gave me a lot of encouragement I had also started my grief counseling which Mm. (laughs) turned into like anxiety management counseling Mm. because of the pregnancy Um, and I'd gone back to my OB and started getting the HCG levels tested again and this time my HCG levels were rising I had them done every I think it was three times twice a week something like that twice or three times a week and uh I would call and just be like on the edge of my seat Mm. yeah they'd gone up and I was recording the numbers down and over a couple of weeks I was like these are looking like they're looking really high like this is Mm. this is looking really promising and Google was like if they're high um you know you might have your dates wrong or could be twins Mm. and I had actually had a dream when I found out I was pregnant that we were having twins and that there were two babies instead of one. And I said to my husband, I was like, imagine if there's twins, cause mm-hmm. my HCG levels are kind of high. And he was like, that would be so cool, but not a chance. Like twins mm-hmm. don't run in your family. They don't run in my family. But turns out when we went in for our scan at our OB's office, he was like, I see two sacks. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't shocked or like surprised. I was like, I felt, I remember thinking, there they are. Like, mm. there they are. Like, I knew that there'd be two. <laughs> and he was like, our obstetrician said, but um, I can only see what appears to be a heartbeat in one sack. I think one sack might be empty. Mm-hmm. So you need to go to Pacific Radiology, get a proper scan done, and they'll be able to tell you, you know, what's going on. And we'll know from there. So that was a nervous wait overnight. But I actually wasn't as anxious as I had been previously for these scans because, number one, I had the tools that I was using from my grief and Mm. anxiety counselling. And number two, I felt like, I don't know, just a sense of peace this time, super weird, that we went in for that scan and we're obviously, you know, nervous. And, uh, sorry. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, they said there were two heartbeats. Mm. (laughs) And even all this time later, that's like yeah oh man so so happy yeah. yeah and we'd never made it to that stage yeah all across the pregnancies so early on before yeah. there was heartbeats so the pregnancy started from there <laughs> basically
0: yeah amazing oh it makes me emotional hearing you, yeah. uh, uh, hearing you talk about my- it it's just yeah long journey right and like how incredible to be pregnant with not only one healthy baby but two it's just amazing yeah yeah crazy cool and so I guess what happened from there like you find out that you're pregnant with twins and what did you do next did you think that you wanted to find a midwife or an obstetrician or yeah what sort of happened from there the process with our OB's office was that they helped
1: us find a midwife or they gave us a list of midwives that they'd worked with previously. If you had your own one, you could bring them in. But so we were given that list and I did yeah, start the process. Um, But the thing with the twin pregnancy, which was really an interesting experience was um, just the intensity of symptoms. I mean, people have intense symptoms, Mm. but my hormones, like, spiked and surged and went Mm. wild so I had the nausea I had a full body rash I had um oh just it was just crazy Mm. and I was also trying to like hide all of that because what I do for a job I guess is like I'm on Instagram I'm on YouTube and I was trying my best to hide that Mm. and my job is actually based around food I make recipes and keto recipes and you know, I'm making food for my husband, pretending that I'm eating it because all <laughs> I was living off of was, like, boiled potatoes yes. and Sprite. That's all I could do. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the, the pregnancy started off interesting, as a lot of us know. Um. And by the time I was actually at the end of my first trimester, I had, like, I was already measuring, like, I was in my second trimester for a singleton pregnancy. So the pregnancy itself was, like physically quite taxing because by the time I got into my second trimester I then started measuring like I was in my third trimester and there was a lot of I don't want to say fear because it's not what they intended when they were sharing the message with me but there was a lot of negativity I think around the twin pregnancy Mm. because it's a high-risk pregnancy so if anyone who's listening to this podcast and maybe you're not having twins but you've got a health condition or something that makes your pregnancy high risk, I'm sure you can relate to that feeling of like the pregnancy. A lot of the choices are kind of taken away from you that other people Mm. would have around how they'd like their birth to look, how their pregnancy looks because, you know, we were going for so many more checks and Mm -hmm. scans. Our twin pregnancy was actually the lowest risk of the twin pregnancies, mm. I should also say. We had a boy girl combo, so they're not identical. They had their own sacs, they had their own placentas, and all of that was in our favor. But the message we got constantly from our midwife, from our OB, is you're going to have these babies most likely early mm. because statistically that's what we're told. Statistically, they're going to go to NICU. And also, Because we were going through the COVID pandemic and things were just like imploding around us,
0: Mm.
1: where we live in Christchurch, the NICU unit caters to a humongous area of the South Island. Mm. So that NICU can get totally overrun into capacity really quickly. And they said with COVID, you know, going crazy, if NICU is wild and there's no beds for two babies – we're going to have to fly you to Dunedin, Wellington or Auckland and you won't get much notice. You'll just be told to get your bag, get to the plane or to, yeah. I don't know, whatever. I think that's a plane and go. And we were shocked. We are like, mm. we asked our obstetrician, we're like, is this seriously a thing? And he's like, no, absolutely. Like you should be aware of that and be yeah. aware that that's a risk for you guys. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, sure. So we had that in the background of the pregnancy not being super fun. But despite that, I did try to, like, embrace as normal of a pregnancy Mm. as possible. So, you know, have, like, antenatal classes and, you know, learn about what Mm. my ideal pregnancy would look like. We enrolled in an antenatal class for multiples, which was honestly just doom and gloom. But actually, it was just reality. It was just here's the realities We won't sugarcoat it, you know, the NICU story, the going into labor early story, all that stuff. And it was actually quite good to know that that's a real possibility. And the antenatal class we did, which honestly, like, I mean, it was nice to be there and like hold the fake baby and that kind of thing and learn to kind of swaddle, but not very helpful. And Mm. then I did um, your birth project. Oh, my goodness. Honestly, out of everything I did, your birth project was the Mm. most valuable by far because not only did it help me take away the fear because as like a first-time mom you have no idea what to expect and it's Mm. the unknown that's the most terrifying yeah but so you talked me through it and I felt like I was hanging out with you as well which was really (laughs) nice in the early hours of the morning um and I really appreciated like the reminders around mindset like Mm. you keep talking about how you can't control things but here's here's things that could here are possibilities that could happen, mm. you can control your mindset, here's what we'll do to help you with, you know, being able to get your head in the game, yeah. and ultimately, it was my mindset that got me through my pregnancy, and also yeah. my delivery,
0: Yeah.
1: which yeah. I got from your course.
0: Very cool, and so did you find, like, throughout your pregnancy, that you were doing, I know you said you had sort of more touch points and probably more tests but did you do all of the sort of standard testing that was offered to you did you do the knit um testing in early pregnancy and did you want to find out the sex of your babies I know that you knew in the end but what was your sort of thought process around finding that out I was so pro I did that I really wanted to know
1: yeah. I was so curious because oh, I mentioned earlier about um some of my Instagram community Mm. suggesting that I do acupuncture I had started acupuncture and my acupuncturist was like you're having a boy this was very early on Mm -hmm. when I didn't know it was twins yet I thought it was twins but I hadn't had anything to confirm that yet and I said to her in response to that I was like can you tell if it's twins and she was like no but I know there's a boy. I was <laughs> like, okay, well, maybe it's two boys then. Um, so we did get the nip test done at 10 weeks. That was an option through our OB's office. And yeah, I think for us, it was something that gave us a lot of comfort because oh, it's, such a, it's such a nervous wait for everyone, you know, to get your baby here. There's no truly like safe point, I guess, because you never know when or what could happen but man it definitely helped just kind of reassure us like okay this is looking good and then we could move on to the next thing like this is looking good so yes we had the nip test on and we were told by our OB's office that that would tell us the sex of the babies and i was super excited like we're gonna find out so early mm-hmm. but then <laughs> when they called with the results he was like um so i can't give you the sex information because that was inconclusive and <laughs> i was like inconclusive like what does that mean um and i sort of pondered it and like mulled it over and i thought oh maybe it's inconclusive because they've detected a y chromosome mm. and if there were two x's they'd be able to say yes two girls but if there's a y they can't actually tell if it's attached to both babies or one so we weren't able to actually find out the sex of the babies until we had our anatomy scan done, which was like oh, yeah. 19 weeks. Yeah. And then we did a reveal party like a couple days later <laughs> and found out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Very cool. And were you sort of sharing this whole journey on Instagram? Like what stage did you tell your followers that you were pregnant? And yeah, were you sharing your journey as you went along?
1: I was. I started sharing... Quite early on, I think I shared exactly, I think it was 12 weeks. It was. Yeah. I had my 12-week scan and I shared the news then because I already had, I mean, it was a little bump, you know, but <laughs> for me it felt huge. <laughs> yeah. And I shared on my Instagram about my health journey and, you know, I looked so different because already I had gained so much weight. So um, I just kind of felt like when people – yeah, might not, people might not understand when they saw my body, like why I'm like holding some more weight in an area that I hadn't before. Um, But also people had been with us through our previous losses and being so supportive. And that my, my Instagram, I love going on Instagram and connecting with the community there, because they truly feel like our friends and extended family, which might sound weird, but they've been with us through so many things that it felt really cool to be able to share that news with them. And I knew that also they'd be supportive and encouraging and understanding however things panned out as well. So we were really excited to share that. And, yeah, yeah, we just continued to share the whole pregnancy as well on Instagram and also my YouTube.
0: Yeah, yeah. Awesome very cool and how was the rest of your pregnancy sort of from that 20 weeks onwards as your bump grows and you're growing two babies like I just can think about when I'm pregnant with you know a single pregnancy and that's rough going (laughs) so how did you feel yeah being pregnant with twins what were the symptoms that you were having in the sort of later stages of your pregnancy? It was
1: summer. So I'm just going to put that out there for everyone.
0: Mm-hmm. It was summer.
1: It was like, I mean, it probably wasn't the hottest summer we had, but man, I was feeling it. So the swelling, everything, because mm-hmm. from 20 weeks onwards, it was just all go. Um, mm-hmm. The bump just continued to grow and grow. <laughs> and so I, they stopped telling me how big I was measuring because they didn't want to freak me out, <laughs> I like, think. Um, But I was just having, yeah, like I mentioned before, regular checks. My best friend has a pool at their house. So I was going over there whenever I could. And I also tried to stay as active as I could up until I couldn't. So I I mean, I couldn't really manage a lot because walking, everything was just so painful with the heaviness, the weight. I found um, the prenatal aqua classes that are run through like our council oh, yeah. Pool.
0: yeah
1: amazing they were so good mm. they, I just went to it once a week loved it oh it was just so nice to feel mobile in the water and be able to move around without any pain or any discomfort so I loved that but then COVID unfortunately um, it came to a bit of an end for me mm. so but yeah so the, the pregnancy was just a battle and like I mentioned a mind game as well I just had to You know, you wake up and you're like, how am I going to do another Mm. day of this? But you just do. You just get through it. And all the while, I am kind of low-key panicking. Not panicking, but there was definitely in the background, I was hyper aware that I was going to go into labor at any moment. Mm. The baby's going to go to NICU. Because that's what everyone kept telling me. And that's what I was, you know, worried about. But actually, the pregnancy went to term. So for a twin pregnancy, mm. 38 weeks is term. And no one thought that we would make 38 weeks. No one. Yeah. <laughs> it was so funny. But we made it. And I think like the week before, oh no, two weeks before maybe, my OB was like, we're going to book in your induction at mm. 38 weeks, but don't worry, you won't be getting thin juice because <laughs> you'll go into labor earlier than that. I should also say the way Revy and Rue were positioned in my tummy, um, our girl, baby A, Revy, she was the bottom twin. So she was twin A, meaning she'd be birthed first. And then twin B, our baby boy, he was going to come second. They were actually stacked on top of each other. They were both head down. They were both engaged that my OB was like, you know, I think we should try for a vaginal delivery because they're in the right position if you're comfortable with that. Otherwise, we could book in for a C-section. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. Let's give Mm. it a go. Um, Being told all the risks that, you know, one might come out vaginally, one might come out cesarean. Mm. But what was quite nice um, with having the twin pregnancy is nobody at any point in time, like any of the health professionals, they were all very, 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 very pro me having an epidural. It was almost a given, I think. Like I had a choice, obviously, but it was their recommendation that we have an epidural. And the explanation for that was um, one baby, once we start delivery, baby A comes out baby B all of a sudden has so much room in my tummy he might flip and then I'd have Mm. to maneuver him either externally or internally and that's really painful so if I have an epidural I'm ready to go or if it turns out we need to go into theatre we're ready to go so I think that took a little bit of pressure off of me because there's you know a bit of a stigma around interventions yeah um and yeah, but for me, there never, there never was any kind of stigma. It was just kind of like, I don't know. And I, I think that helped me as well because yeah, I think for me personally, that just kind of helped me feel calmer about the experience. Like, okay, you know, I'll be in some discomfort, some pain, but it's okay. And I don't have to make any of those decisions on the day because it's kind of already being done for me. Hmm. And I don't have to feel guilty about any of those things either.
0: Yeah. Was it like, uh, because everyone was saying you wouldn't get to term, was it like playing on your mind the closer and closer you got to 38 weeks? Were you feeling like, I just know how you feel when you get close to your due date and you're like, oh my God, please get out of me, baby. (laughs) So, what were you feeling like as you got closer to that date? And then once you hit 38 weeks?
1: Oh man, it was crazy coming up to the time because I. I thought that I was going to go into labor so much sooner. So with what I do with my work, I had a, I started working, I used to do well club all by myself. And then when I found out I was pregnant the third time and things were progressing, I was like, okay. And then we found out it was twins. I was like, I'm going to definitely need some help and to start building like a small team so that I've got backup. So we were planning my leave around you know these babies coming and I had it planned you know expecting that would happen at a certain date but that date came and went and I was like oh my gosh I need to keep working now to then prepare for the next date. So it was actually a frantic time for me work-wise because Mm. we had miscalculated. So I was like up in the office my husband and I called them office nights like we'd have to, and also I couldn't actually really sit on the couch to be fair I had to sit on like my office chair because I was just so uncomfortable I couldn't really get up off the couch sounds dramatic but mm. yeah but I was definitely like I was ready for the babies to come but I think I was also just quite distracted with working like literally up until the day that, that it happened mm. um, definitely so ready to be able to like stand and walk again to be able to you know get off my bed not have to pee a thousand times in the night oh I was super excited and just my legs my legs and my feet were just one there was no there was no separation my ankles had disappeared Mm. (laughs) I was excited to get all that stuff back as well yeah
0: yeah awesome cool and do you want to take us through so what sort of happened around that time what were the plans and then into what your labor and birth story looks like sure so 38 weeks
1: hit we couldn't believe it we woke up and we're like that's it we've got to be at the hospital at i think it was 10 a.m was our call time we had our bags packed around the time that we were um that i was giving birth covid omicron was coming like the wave was hitting new zealand and there was a lot of talk about you know if you've well I think the rules at that time they were changing all the time but the rules at that time were if you have COVID I could birth and my partner could be with me but if he had COVID he couldn't be there so we had been super careful in the lead up like we had literally just like gone underground for Mm -hmm. two weeks before which actually was quite nice like we were pretty afraid to like you know go to the supermarket do anything so we just Yeah, we were really, really careful. Arrive in the hospital with our bags, and we are packed, like, to the nines. We have so much stuff. Like, I brought in my, I was told to bring my twin feeding pillow, which is, like, a tri-pillow, you know, on acid. It's, like, crazy. It's Mm -hmm. so massive. Um, We had everything because we didn't know how long we'd be there, all that stuff. And if we could leave because we were told you can't, once you're there, that's it, you can't leave, get in. And I expected, like, we would just, like, crack into things but it wasn't until about 2 p.m that day that finally I was like put on the induction medicine and I was told that we were like finally able to start and genuinely up until that 2 p.m mark as well in my head I was like I'm gonna go into labor at any minute because mm-hmm. that's what I've been told but yeah we started the medicine I started the medicine and had that the contractions. Oh, I should say, yeah. So contractions were building, um, but then they would like fall away. And then I'd have more medicine. Contractions were building, fall away. In the hospital, they were so busy, like crazy, crazy busy. And I would have to wait longer than the time frame than, you know, I was told like, I needed to have the medicine and in the intervals. I was waiting longer like Mm. an extra hour an hour and a half would go by and I would get up and then start like you know pacing the halls looking for somebody to be like can I have more Mm. medicine please it was actually really frustrating and something that I didn't expect would happen um but yeah had it all they were monitoring me I was hooked up to the machines oh it's so uncomfortable Mm. but um the labor never like Fully took off. The babies mm. just wanted to stay in there. <laughs> yeah. So the next day, my obstetrician comes in, and we had a different one. They sort of are like on call, so whoever yeah. you get on the schedule. Um. So our obstetrician for the delivery was a woman. She was amazing, but you anyway, know she comes in and she's like, so she like checked me and she's like, things aren't moving. Like we've been at this for a day. Babies aren't showing any signs mm. of coming. I can't really get a good reading on both of them because it was so hard for them to track both heart mm. rates. She's like, I I'm going to go away and have a think about if we continue yeah. or if we um, stop and we have a C-section. What are your mm. thoughts? I was like, okay. I was like, I really want to continue. Like we've started this process. I want to yeah. see this process through. Yeah. She goes away and she researches and she comes back and she says, I honestly, I can't find any studies or any, so any research that is of twins being induced and the length of time that an induction should go on for. Mm-hmm. So I don't feel comfortable that we should keep doing this, especially when we can't track both babies. My advice would be that we just call it quits and we have a you get a C-section and we get these babies here safely. Mm-hmm. And I burst into tears I yeah. burst into tears because, you know, you've like, endured what you've endured your mind is in it you're Mm. ready to go and then it just doesn't take off yeah my husband was like just so supportive and so encouraging he's like you did such an amazing job sorry here come the tears Mm -hmm.
0: again
1: um you've done such an amazing job you've got the babies to term let's just have them and meet Mm. them yeah so yeah it turned from an induction to then getting wheeled into the theater which didn't happen immediately we were waiting in a queue because we weren't like urgent but thankfully my OB did advocate for us to get us in like quickly once we went in there and started that so I went in first had the spinal done um and actually the most uncomfortable part about getting the spinal done for me was getting onto the bed (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. like literally heaving my yes. into the position because it was so heavy you could have injected me all day that was not painful at all so if yeah. anyone's afraid about that i promise you not to be afraid they they mm-hmm. numb the area before the spinal goes in as well but yeah. those numbing ones totally fine laid down and yeah my gosh the theater is chock-a-block full of yeah. people yeah Which you warned us about in your birth project, (laughs) so I knew it. But then seeing them all, you're like, "Holy, yeah! Where did you all come from?" Um, My husband was behind me and started the process, which was over and done with. Like the first baby, our baby girl was out so quickly. I feel like Mm -hmm. it was like ten minutes, not even, not even that. So she gets pulled up. I can't see her because of the way, like the, the curtain was um but i hear her i see like a foot or something and she is like taken away and checked and then i feel the rummaging around it kind of felt like the anesthetist actually said um that to, i was like well, what is it going to feel like and he explained to me as i was lying there he's like it's going to feel like somebody is just kind of like rummaging around in a purse, your tummy <laughs> is like a purse and they're looking for like a coin in the bottom and that actually was a really good description of yeah. it um and then our second baby he gets pulled out i like bit of a delay and then hear like a squawk from him and then he's taken away. and then our little girl she was brought to me and put on my chest and oh my gosh like mm-hmm. that feeling nothing prepares you for that feeling mm-hmm. at all. We hadn't mm-hmm. seen the babies at all because of the scan and how they were positioned they, they was just impossible to see their face. so we had no idea at all what they looked like mm-hmm. and so seeing like oh, it was magical smelling her seeing her long eyelashes <laughs> it, was, it was beautiful mm. our baby boy though um he was not breathing i didn't know about any of this at the time they do such a good job of like keeping you totally calm yeah. so i was just like you know loving life just like looking at baby girl mm. and like he's fine we're just you know looking over him meanwhile he's over there on the CPAP machine, um and they're working furiously on his lungs to get him breathing. They're obviously mm-hmm. calm doing it, but they asked my husband to come over so he saw like the actual state of affairs and how serious it was. Yeah, but again, my husband didn't tell me, like, <laughs> kept it for me. And they told Dave that they would work on him for 30 minutes, and if he didn't respond in 30 minutes, he'd go straight to NICU and they would, you know do further things there and mm. you'd need time there so you know I was wheeled out to I, I was I asked where he was I was like where's baby boy and Dave's like they're just still working on him but he'll be with you soon or he might need to go to NICU and because we had always been told we were going to NICU I didn't freak out I mm. was like prepared for it mentally I had allowed myself to be prepared so it wasn't a yeah. shock yeah. so we go out into recovery I'm out there with our girl And she starts latching, which was beautiful. And then, um, yeah, our baby boy, Rue, he was brought out not too long later. So I had both of them, each on a boob, (laughs) feeding, (laughs) which was so crazy.
0: Yeah, it was so cool. It's just, like, amazing to hear, oh, the story of them being born. And, um, yeah, it's so nice that you were able to see you know one of them because you probably I don't know you don't know what to expect right like are they both going to be rushed to NICU or what sort of happens there so yeah it's really nice to hear that yeah especially like with twins like I'd listened to all
1: the podcasts on twins on Kiwi Birth Tales and yeah NICU just it seemed like a given mm. for the fact that we went straight to recovery
0: yeah and then
1: from recovery to the ward I was like wow like very 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 grateful very grateful
0: yeah awesome and what sort of happened from there how long did you spend in the hospital um what was your sort of plan around going home yeah what did that all look like for you
1: Man, It's so crazy because you go from being a high risk pregnancy Mm -hmm. and kind of, you know, taking care of and people being there to just being like, cool, the babies are here. Mm. Good luck with that. Here's your Mm. room. All the best. Um, My husband and I had no idea what we were doing. Like I had changed a nappy before, like years ago I had babysat when I was Mm. like 16 or something. Could not remember. My husband had never changed a nappy. Mm -hmm. I'd never swaddled a baby. I didn't know anything. So It was just like, you, oh man, the, the learning curve is so yeah. steep, but yeah. <laughs> you rise to yeah. the occasion and you're like, there's no other way around it. So we were in hospital for 48 hours. I think it was two days, three days. I think it was two days. Yeah. And um, I remember feeling just like light as a feather. I still looked like I was in my third trimester ready <laughs> to pop if it was a yeah. singleton, but I remember feeling so light as a feather. Going to the ward that I remember going from recovery to the ward um was really challenging for me because of the spinal that I wasn't able to to move and get up. So the babies had to be brought to me. My milk hadn't come in. Um I was starting to then worry about, you know, breastfeeding, how mm. that was going to go. Um, and my husband had to do like, you know, all the nappy changes and all that kind of stuff. The nurse actually, I remember um, she was in our room and she was like, okay, cool. Well, cause they had also, because I'd shared like I had a boob job done previously. Mm. There was also an expectation around my breastfeeding and that I wouldn't probably be able to breastfeed, but I don't know. So that's all the nurses didn't expect me to breastfeed. So there was an expectation that we would, just purely formula feed which Mm -hmm. I think was also quite good because it took the pressure off of me feeling like I needed to but I really wanted to try and yeah so the nurse had brought in the bottles some formula for us because she was like you know you have to feed them and she mentioned she was like and I think Rue needs his nappy changed and she was about to leave and then she's like Mm -hmm. wait have you ever changed a nappy and my husband was like No, so she showed them there how to do it because we didn't learn that in the antenatal class um (laughs) so yeah he was doing all of that and then once my once I was able to move around again after I'd had my catheter removed which took ages because they were you know so busy so I was just waiting 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 I felt like a new woman being able to Mm. move around having a smaller bump Um, and I just made a point of I learned with my boob job to stay on top of my pain medicine when you have surgery yeah so don't wait till you feel like you're uncomfortable just set a timer make a note of what you've had and stay on top of it so I made sure that I had all the pain stuff there for the next round and I just you know use that which I highly recommend because how else do you have I mean there's no other instance where you have that kind of level of major surgery and you're expected just to like bounce around feeding, cluster yeah. feeding, you 100%. know, <laughs> yeah. there's no way to do that without, in my mind, without pain medicine. No way. So definitely nice. stay on top of that. So yeah, we were in there for two days um, before we were sent home. And while we were in there, Rue started cluster feeding, which I had, no i'd never heard of it i had no idea what was going on Mm. i called the nurse one night into our room and i'm like he won't stop crying he won't stop trying to like latch what's going on and she was like oh that's cluster feeding it's good he's trying to bring in your milk faster so that started the journey of two babies cluster feeding (laughs) one (laughs) after the other um as we went home but you're honestly just like on cloud nine. Like, yeah. I have never felt so content, so happy, so at peace in my life than I did during those days. I genuinely felt like I was like drugged. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was on pain medicine, but genuinely felt drugged because I was just so obsessed with these babies mm-hmm. and this like love bubble that people talk about. Yeah. It's so true. And I think that gets you through like that really difficult first period for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah, it is a, very, um, <laughs> a very trying time. But also, yeah, like you talk about definitely like intoxicating um, for a lot of people, that feeling. And so once you got home and obviously the babies are cluster feeding, how did you manage life with the two of them? Like what did it look like in those first few days and weeks once you got home? Um, how was Dave able to help you? Yeah, I guess what did that look like for you? We were
1: really fortunate that we had, um, because of COVID, we weren't able to travel. Dave had saved up all his leave and also he was going to take unpaid leave. He really wanted to be at home for as long as mm. possible to experience this. Like, And we were really fortunate that we we're in a position where we could do that. So I was so lucky to have Dave with me. Those first few weeks were just insane. Like the schedule you keep is mm. just so crazy crazy day and night there's just really no differentiation you know because yeah. you're just like working around the clock every three hours mm-hmm. and then with cluster feeding one baby might cluster feed for an hour and then the next baby wanted to cluster feed so I just I don't know how I did it but mm-hmm. genuinely there were days where I was like running off of maybe one or two hours of sleep for real like crazy we tried our best to get them on the same schedule because that Mm -hmm. meant that I could tandem feed which I did and we also um offered top-ups of formula so once my milk came in that was really good to be able to do that and yeah try to keep them on the same schedule but they're, they're not identical. And I don't mm. even think identical babies stick stick to the same schedule. Rue was bigger than Revy. He had a bigger tummy. He could have more food than she could. So, you know, you're trying your best to make them sort of mm. do the same thing, but they're not going to. And the advice that people give you, like, rest when the baby rests. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, my baby doesn't rest because the other <laughs> baby doesn't. So yeah. what do I do? Yeah. For twin mums out there, like, gosh, don't – yeah – take all of that stuff with a grain of salt because mm. you you literally are juggling two, <laughs> two babies. Yeah. Whereas if you have the one when they're down, sure, I get it, like have a rest. Or mm. maybe you can like schedule it with your partner so that they do one shift and then you do the next shift. Mm. But For us learning on the go, it was like both of us had woke up for all of the feeds. So I didn't feel like I could do it all at once because I needed help with my cesarean and like my tummy mm. to be able to get into the position on the couch get the pillow into the position get both babies on oh one baby's fallen off like help mm. me reattach that baby um oh this one needs to be changed so we actually found it was better and faster if we both were up together yeah. we did do a night where i did it myself cuz i said to dave i was like look you sleep like you know this is dumb both of us mm. getting up and the next day I was just in tears because what would have taken me like maybe an hour feeding took me twice as long mm. and then I didn't get a chance to try to get like you know 20 minutes half an hour of sleep between yeah. the next thing yeah so yeah we just agreed for us personally like we're like this won't be forever it's battle on and I remember Dave said to me he was like when he was changing the nappy he was like Why do these have Winnie the Pooh on them? (laughs) They should have Mm. motivational quotes. Like, keep going. You can do this.
0: Mm. Because, yeah, it does get easier, but the start is hard. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for sure. And how did you find, like coming out of that initial period like I know the babies are four months old now so um you've sort of come out of that like really initial newborn period and they're a little bit older now how have you found like are you in any kind of routine or do you more just go with the flow what do your days look like now oh I'm
1: it's so nice to be where we're at compared to where we were because, mm. I mean, you're learning, everything's new. Revy also had, like, major, like, stomach issues. Um. Oh, actually, yeah, a couple of things. Roo, I haven't shared this on my Instagram, but he actually had tongue tie. Oh, and yeah. it was, we had a lactation. I decided to engage a lactation consultant because I had built up a bit of fear around breastfeeding, if I could do it with my boob job, if I could mm. do it with two babies. The lactation consultant was the best money spent because not only did she encourage me that I could do it, she, you know, helped me with techniques, but also she identified that Ru had tongue tie, which mm. our midwife apparently had also identified, but <laughs> she didn't um, actually raise that with us as being like an issue. She didn't think it was like severe enough, but right. anyway, um, you have to be like, you have to have a certain qualification, to, I think, to make that call. So the lactation consultant had that, and she thought that his tongue tie was severe enough that um, it would be worthwhile us getting an opinion from an expert Mm -hmm. to see if we should have the procedure done. And we actually decided to get the release done, which again, I've only like our friends and family know we did that because Mm. the, the judgment and the criticism that you can get from strangers when they don't know the full picture can be, so hard to navigate when you 100%. yourself are just trying to survive. Yeah. But that procedure was the most difficult decision for us. We didn't know if we were doing the right thing. We didn't mm-hmm. want to put him through any pain. Um, we went for that procedure. My husband actually held him down. I was sitting with Rue, well, like not held him down, but you know, held him so he wouldn't wiggle mm-hmm. around with the nurse. And I was sitting with Revy, like, watching tears. Just, I was bawling an mm-hmm. absolute mess. The procedure was done. Rue let out a scream for like two seconds and that was it. He was just right (laughs) as right, happy, latched straight away. And he was such a good feeder after that. Mm -hmm. But before that I had so many issues with him. Latching, screaming, just, yeah. So if, you go through something like that and you're listening to this um i know the decision's really hard and you've got to do what's right for you but i can just speak to the fact that it was a really positive experience Mm. for us yeah so we navigated that with rue revy saw an osteo for her stomach issues which helped with her feeding and she would like (laughs) groan and make all these loud noises (laughs) during the night now where we're at, at four months we try our best to sort of stick to a 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. schedule Mm -hmm. where ideally in an ideal world the babies would wake up at 7, they'd go down for their first nap at 9, wake up at 10, go down for their next nap from 12 till 2. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's an ideal world and yesterday actually Rue to the schedule perfectly, Revy didn't Mm -hmm. and what I do is like I like the schedule for us because it gives me a a structure to the day, Mm -hmm. otherwise it's honestly it feels impossible to remember how much this baby had at this time and what time and how much did they sleep mm. so that way i can kind of mentally track it and sometimes i do actually write it down because my memory is yep. terrible now <laughs> yep. um but if they don't sleep we just roll with it you know you got to like be flexible and go with the, the roll with the punches mm. we try to do that but yep. we are into the next phase of our journey, like engaging a sleep consultant to see if we yeah. can establish better sleeping habits and that kind of thing, because yeah. our babies are in, I think, the regression with our waking up <laughs> again yeah. throughout the night. And I feel like I'm back at the start, but yeah. I know that we survived it then, we can
0: survive it now. So <laughs> that's where we're at. Yeah, I can relate to that. Where um, <laughs> uh, we're going through the same thing at like nine and a half months now. So I can yeah, oh. definitely definitely relate in some way. Don't tell me it continues. Oh, it's just like every baby is so different, right? Like Jai, pretty much slept through the night from like six and a half months; he was a dream. And Ali, I don't, I think he slept through the night like three times in his whole life. Oh my Um, gosh They trick you, right? With the first baby, they're like, "Yeah, this is a dream," and then. You have another one in there, like <laughs> the opposite Surprise. The opposite. I'm yes. ready to party. <laughs> it's crazy how they're so different.
1: Hey, like it's so different. they come from the same parents. Yeah. But my gosh, they're so different. And you've got yeah. to just yeah. Learn their yeah, own. It must be so interesting
0: kids. with twins as well. Like you sort of expect them to be similar, right? But they are very much their own little people. <laughs> They are. revie is super independent. She's squawking and she's super close to rolling.
1: Rue is such a sensitive soul. And he like (laughs) things will like he'll get a fright and he'll cry. His bottom lip just (laughs) drops.
0: Yeah, I know.
1: So it's it's lovely having the two different personalities and it's so much fun.
0: Yeah. Awesome. And how have you gone with your physical recovery? Obviously um, you've had a C-section. So how did you find recovering from that and what do you feel like uh, about the C-section now and are you still noticing any physical challenges or yeah, what's that been like?
1: Oh, it's the, the pain definitely was managed with those, that medication. I was probably on the medication for a bit longer than, I think people would, because of the size of my uterus, the contracting down. Oh, my gosh, oh, that was yeah. so okay. painful. Yeah. Yeah, which I no one had kind of warned me about, but um, that went on for a prolonged period of time because my, yeah, my uterus was just huge. Mm-hmm. So every time, you know, you feed, you'd get those, like, <laughs> intense pain. Um and once I got through that, I have I've I started seeing a woman's health physio, a specialist, to help working with my pelvic floor. I didn't think that having a C-section would affect my pelvic floor. I thought mm. that was just like a vaginal delivery thing. But I described to her like the discomfort that I get, this like pain that sort of feels like it's kind of deep inside me. And she did the internal exam and I did all the tensing, all that stuff. And she was like, Yeah, she's like, The pain is because your pelvic floor is shot. Mm. And she asked me, She was like, How was it like the first time you had sex? Was that painful? And mm. I was like, Oh my gosh, it was so painful. Um, I didn't think it would be because, again, like nothing was touched down there. It was yeah, all yeah. through the sunroof. Um, and she's like, Yeah, that is your pelvic floor.
0: Mm. So,
1: I had no idea that a C-section, that would be like an effect of of that. So I'm doing like the exercises to try to bring my abs. I think it was two and a half fingers. It's measured by fingers, isn't it? Um, That was my separation. So we're trying to bring that together because I do still look pregnant. Um, I've still got like a a pooch. Um, And yeah, I think it's kind of a weird sort of thing as well. Just mentally, like... You're used to your body looking Mm. a certain way pre-pregnancy. Then pregnancy happens and you sort of adjust to the fact that you're dressing with this bump and, you know, like Mm, not everyone feels comfortable to show it off, but I I just embraced it because it was huge. (laughs) There was no hiding it. Mm. And then now it's like, I'm not pregnant, but my body doesn't look like it used to look. I don't know how to dress it anymore. You know, you're just like, sorry, you're just like learning all of these different things. Mm. So, yeah, that's, like, being kind of a challenge physically for me is yeah. working on my pelvic floor, getting my abs back together, yeah. and then also mentally, like, figuring out how to dress so that I feel comfortable and stuff is accessible for me with breastfeeding yeah. <laughs> and also that people don't think that I'm pregnant
0: again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sure there'll be lots of people who... Um relate to that including my (laughs) including myself and um how have things been with Dave like what is your relationship like now as parents and are you still finding time to spend time alone with each other what does that look like for you guys now oh it's um it's definitely like brought us so much closer in like such a
1: different unexpected Mm. way I don't know it probably sounds silly to say that but I truly am so grateful that he battled alongside me and, you know, all the sleepless nights, all that stuff. Um, I think what's been challenging for us is that we, you know, we've never, like, bickered or that kind of thing. But then when you're sleep-deprived, you can just say things in such a quick, sharp,
0: short manner.
1: You're like, bring me this, or, you know, not like, hi can you please pass me the burp cloth? But like <laughs> yeah. you're being up on, you like, pass me the burp cloth. And then yeah. you sound like aggressive and that kind of thing. So that's been like a challenge for us and something that we try to like, I don't know, be mindful of when we mm. can. But we also know not to take it personally. We've been super fortunate with um, having family support so that we've been able to go out on date nights, like, you mm. know, go for dinner and um, that kind of thing. And yeah, I... As the babies get older, I hope we can figure out what that looks like for us mm-hmm. because our relationship as a foundation for our family is really important and something yep. that, yeah, we need to continue to always work on. Um, but, yeah, definitely, I guess, the priority becomes <laughs> triage mm-hmm. what's, you know, going on and it's the babies right now. So at nighttime, we're very, very lucky at the moment, touch wood, but... Mm-hmm. Um, even though they don't sleep during the day or through the night, they tend to sleep. They go to bed at like seven and they sleep until at least like 10. And we yeah. have it three hours of uninterruptedness. Yeah. And that time we like watch Love Island, have mm-hmm. dinner together, talk, try to like cuddle on the couch and just yeah. like be together. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's really like what we try to do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I think, um, yeah, that's definitely been one of our challenges too is just like, you know, trying to find a the time and be like be patient with each other because we were much the same as what you described um we didn't really bicker or whatever before um before having kids and then you sort of have kids and like you're just tired and things are different like yes. yeah you've got other priorities and things to focus on and yeah it's just a definitely a change but it's nice to hear that you're still sort of managing to find some time for each other yeah, I mean like yeah, you one thing that you experience
1: is just like a constant feeling of guilt because mm. you constantly feel yeah. like you're not meeting yeah. the standard in every area of your life like oh, you know I'm not being a great mom, I'm not being a great partner, mm. I'm not being a great employee if you're back working like all those things but you have to just try to like at least I try to give myself grace and remind myself like you know what I used to be able to achieve in different Mm. areas of my life I just can't right now this is just the season that I'm in yeah got to try to embrace it and I think having like whether or not you connect with other people who are in a similar life stage to you on Instagram or through a mums group or by even just listening to these podcast episodes and knowing that you're not alone like that's so important so that you don't let those feelings swamp Mm. you either
0: And is there anything else that you would like recommend to either twin mums or just um, parents of a singleton pregnancy that you've used yourself or you've used for the babies that you're like, oh my God, we wouldn't have survived (laughs) without that product.
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh. I do get like a little bit of judgment, I think for like some of the product choices (laughs) that I've made, but um, honestly, gosh, it's like, i'm so grateful for technology i genuinely have so much respect for twin mums when you hear like i had twins 30 years ago and i'm like how because these things didn't (laughs) exist
0: yeah
1: um we have the olive edwards and co-pram which was it was gifted to us so but um there was no expectation for me to share if i didn't like it but oh it's amazing if you're a twin mum because you can navigate and maneuver in such small areas like going to our doctor's office going to cafes places that I just would not fit if I had a side-by-side pram so that definitely has made my life easier and then also having um the other thing that we used a lot if you've got a single baby or twins is like a baby lounger a place where you can put the baby and they can just chill and sleep where you are that's yeah. So helpful in the early days. I'd add mm. that to your registry list definitely. Yeah. But I do want to also say, um, the your birth project online store is seriously a one stop shop. When I was pregnant, I was like, what does one person need to take to the hospital <laughs> in the hospital bag? Yeah. And I was like, Oh, if only like there was a place where you could just go and it was like already done for you because yeah. your energy and motivation levels are at such an all time low when you're already yes. <laughs> trimester, it's like the last thing you want to do is go to this place or that place or different websites and figure it out. yeah Oh my gosh. Listening to this podcast, if you need to get your your hospital bag stuff sorted, just go to the online, the Birth Project online store and that way you can just go add to cart, pick mm. a package, it's all done for you. Yeah. And you don't have to worry
0: about it. it arrives and you've got everything you need it's such a genius idea what you've created seriously thank you it was all driven out of the fact that when I was doing that myself with Ali I was like oh god I'm just so sick of trying to find all of these different products across different places and like paying for all of this different shipping and whatever there just needs to be one place it is (laughs) that's where it's
1: driven from so you are so
0: yeah honestly
1: such a time saver and lifesaver, and yeah mm-hmm. it's so nice also having an experienced mum who knows what she's doing yeah. you know make these foundations of these products that truly works you're not just yeah. wasting your money yes yeah, yeah. it's awesome. yeah,
0: yeah. Oh, thank you awesome and is there anything else that you want to share that we haven't covered in your story or yeah anything else that you want to talk about before we close the episode
1: I guess if you are a twin mom and you're wanting to hear more about like the products that I use make sure you come over and check out my Instagram also my yes. blog I have yeah. um a blog it's just alherself dot com and that way you can see the products that I use if that's of interest to you or if you have a single and you just want to see what sort of mm. things we use and love um and advice to those out there who are pregnant and about to have their baby my biggest advice from what I went through in my experience is just take it day by day yeah. don't stress if like things don't go to plan because that's Okay, and honestly, once you meet your baby, like, oh, uh, you, you honestly just don't care, really. All those yeah. things, it, yeah. yeah, at least for me, it truly put everything into perspective that they were here safely yeah. and that our family was all here,
0: Earthside. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. amazing. Well, thank you so much, Al, for coming on the podcast. I've loved talking to you today and I've had so many requests for your episode on the podcast. So I'm really glad that we have finally managed to connect and yeah, it's been lovely talking to you. So thank you. Thank you so much, Jordan. Really appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Kiwi Birth Tales. I hope you have enjoyed it. And a reminder that this week's episode was sponsored by Your Birth Project, the online hypnobirthing course that you need to create your Best Birth and the online store that supports mum through pregnancy, birth, and postpartum. If you want to check it out, you can head to at Your Birth Project on Instagram or www.yourbirthproject.com. Speak to you next week.